0: The next sign of the zodiac, the Taurus, the bull, is much more difficult in many ways to properly explain. It's called the desire of god. We'll go first into the um, the three qualities and the exoteric quality that governs basically the average human being, average Taurean is blind, unrushing desire it's called the bull of desire and most of you understand um, you get the bull in the midst of that paddock with all of those um, uh, cows and it goes uh, wild with whatever it wants to do so it's this particular type of image of, um, of the average Taurean they like to cover and fill their houses with lots of things, lots of possessions. Everything that that fancies them comes into that house. Now, the esoteric line there is the clover of the divine thought. And this is the quite important thing. What is instigated in Aries, The initial beginnings, the, the mental idea. Taurus cloves it. Taurus gives it flesh and blood. It makes it whole. So the concept of Taurus is that which is the provider of the hearth. The you can see in, um, in Aries, the background, it's just quite stark. It's just basically a plain field. It's not smooth. It's rough earth, rough terrain with grass growing and probably the odd little wild flower. Whereas in Taurus, you get a very cultivated fields and hedges and all of that, and you've got a house there. The house symbolises, of course, the hearth, the the homestead, the, the comforts of home, the production of children, everything that is some sour and full flower. Taurus though we call it the bull, is preeminently, of course, a feminine sign, whereas Aries is a masculine sign. In many ways I, I regard Taurus as, as the preeminent feminine sign in the zodiac, probably even more so than Virgo, though Virgo is the mother. Because you get in the Greek mythology Hesta or Hestia and Hera all of the feminine goddesses are essentially Taurian. When you get the age of matriarchy and, say, the early Greek um, religion and so forth, it's Taurian. It all came into manifestation during the Taurian epoch. Um, we are still going through the last vestiges of the Piscean era. If you go back 2160 years approximately, just make it 2000 years you get the time of Jesus and he heralded the Piscean era. And before Pisces was Aries, so you go back 2000 years before that, or two and a quarter thousand (coughs) years before that, then you go into, into the age of Taurus. So something like Say two and a quarter thousand years BC to four thousand years or four and a half thousand years BC. There you have the age of Taurus, and you can see that you get those um, wonderful civilizations such as Crete and the one at uh, Mesopotamia, the Indus Valley civilization, and they're quite feminine. You get the Cretan, the Minoan civilization as penultimately feminine. This is during the age of Taurus, and the worship of the bull, the worship of the cow goddess, came into being during this particular period of time, say um, you know, from 4000 to 2000 BC. And, you know, if you our archaeologists are correct, and you get such things as a Stonehenge and all of those dolmens and um, stone circles that you have all over, sort of Brittany, Karnak and places like that, all springing into manifestation during this particular age. And you know that most of them uh, all got to do with worship of the Earth Goddess. So Taurus, of course, is the earth sign. You can see the feminine aspect of the Taurian dispensation quite clearly in Myths. The the age of the formation of myths is the Taurian age. It's quite a, a wonderful sign. It's very difficult to fully explain Taurus because Aries is really cosmic mind. It's the bringing into manifestation of the mind of God. And whereas Taurus is the cosmic astral plane. There was a sign in many ways it rules the, co- the waters of the cosmic astral plane. And this is what the field of desire is. And of course, uh, we see it when, it when these waters impact upon the physical plane, the cosmic dense physical, we, it's translated as love, or the principle of wisdom. Wisdom is evolved, but love is what, what comes through the Nadi system of the Great Mother. All of you uh, quite aware of, of the, the loving principle of the feminine, the nurturing, loving, compassionate side of, of women and motherhood, and so this is the Taurian trait. Therefore, what you're really looking at in Taurus is the womb, is that which comes into formation in the womb. So, the 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 glyph for Taurus, as you know is that the circle with the cow's horns coming out, or the symbol of the psyche, that circle um, where the the psyche is um, evolving out of, that is the womb. It's very, very important to think of it along those... So everything inside that womb is what the Logos desires, right? It's the field of desire. So what the Logos desires to come into manifestation is encapsulated within the womb of Taurus, within the bull. Of course, it's really a cow. <laughs> so you can understand they call it the bull, but uh, it's it's proper to think of it as a cow, the divine cow. The cult of Mithris, uh also got to do with this particular symbolism. Of course, um, you know, I mentioned the sacred cow of India, Aphos is the main one, and that's yeah. um, yes, the cow. She's often, even if she's depicted with a female face, she'll have cow's ears. Still looking at Taurus know yeah, that particular feminine deity, which in many ways is the preeminent. You know, her and Pa are the preeminent deities of ancient Egypt. And it's, it's quite interesting that Dendera, the Zodiac of Dendera, yeah. and the, the temple where it was found was actually built by Cleopatra. <laughs> that close to the recent era. That's the Egyptian zodiac. That was the central part of it. The, um, the British stole it and brought it to the British Museum and they sent back to Egypt a copy. <laughs> so you can see this symbol and, of course, the Buddha was Taurian uh, because the other aspect to do with the Taurus is in order to build the form, in order to acquire what one desires one must awaken the eye one must see and so Taurus rules the eye the third eye the eye of wisdom the all-seeing eye and what what is seen effectively of course is the sum of the waters of cosmic space cosmic astral space so you see through etheric space to all oh, the logi that exist in cosmic astral, and it being astral, it is essentially feminine. Well, <laughs> essentially, of course, there's male and female. But I like to think of when I'm looking at Taurus, there's two main two main constellations. One is the Hyades cluster um, with all the uh with the big star, and that is the eye, that is the third eye in the stars up there in the body of the one whom naught can be said. And so it forms a V shape. And then on the back of the ball is the Pleiades, the seven sisters. And the Hyades, incidentally, are also the sisters to the Pleiades, the half-sisters. There's technically five sisters there, five Hyades and, and seven Pleiades. So you get that um, in the myths, the number 12. So they're the half-sisters, they're all sisters. And I won't go into the myth here. You, all of you can look at, at the, this particular myth of how these women, these celestial women, were sent into the heavens to become stars, to become constellations, and quite, you know, the the the, the constellations the, that you can actually see with the naked eye. So, as I mentioned some time ago, another name for the Pylades are the celestial doves. So. They're the wives of the seven rishis of the great bear. So the seven rishis are first ray aspect and um, they the big plough in northern hemisphere. We don't have the seven rishis in the southern hemisphere. So when you think of Taurus, you are thinking of the Pleiadian dispensation. And when you're thinking of the Pleiadian dispensation, you're thinking of the purpose of our solar system, of our particular star system. It is quite a, uh, you know, the Pleiades are the mothers. They give birth to stars. And now, what Orion is doing, he's holding a club, and in the other hand, he's holding what is um, sometimes called the shield, Sobriski's shield, and sometimes a form of a sack. And what's charging Orion is the bull, Taurus. And so Orion is actually trying to arrest the charging bull. So the charging bull is the movement of the 12 signs of the zodiac. So Aries it is the instigator, Taurus is the full momentum. So you get the idea that it's that, um, the force of the bull that's pushing all of those 12 signs of the zodiac. Um, through space. And if you actually look up in the night sky and you try to find the constellation of Aries, it's quite minuscule. It's a tiny little triangle of stars hidden up there. So, by, whereas the constellation of Taurus is quite significant. So it's the, the weight of the force, it's the desire to push the 12 signs of the zodiac. And therefore... The entire wheel of life, cosmically and samsarically, is pushed around by bull, by the, the feminine principle, if you wish. It's the that which is to produce the birthing of the divine child. When the child comes out of the womb, of course, that's when we have the returning Buddhas going into astral space, cosmic astral space. We, all of us here, are within the womb of the Great Mother. We're still struggling to, to um, be born out of it. And the same for humanity. Looking at all of humanity is seen as the child. You know, when there's a sufficient initiate starting to um, return back into cosmic astral space, then you get the bursting of the, the waters. So really the humanity is the fetus. The humanity is the fetus, yes. You of course represent an earlier humanity. So what you see, therefore, is that going back to the night sky and and our dear Orion and he's holding back or regulating the charge of the bull. But one of the things that is not known, of course, in our scientists, is that when you look at the constellation Orion, then you have uh, quite a large number of beautiful nebulae. The Horsehead Nebula etc. And when you look at these beautiful pictures that NASA etc. gives you of these nebulae, then you'll see that they are birthing grounds for stars. So young stars are forming. You know, and you'll see it quite clearly in, in, in the Horsehead Nebula. And what it really is, is that Orion is the... the, the this area of Orion, and there's actually the, the the eight spheres also there, is where the Pleiades projecting their energies to produce the birth of young stars. So it's their womb. And Orion is holding, well, he's shielding all the energies to, that, that are coming from all the cosmic forces and only allowing into... That womb space, the energies that are needed. As a matter of fact, the shield or the or the sack that he holds in front of the charging bull is composed of exactly twelve stars. And those twelve stars again relate to the twelve signs, because they must go through those twelve stars in order to feed the young children or the young, you know, the young stars, which are children, babies. If you think of the womb and the womb is also surrounded by 12 stars that feeds the child Uh, the same principle except of course we're looking at a cosmic scale and the earth itself, our solar system is but one of these the children of the Pleiades you know they say that we revolve around Alcyone which is the fourth Pleiade and therefore Alcyone is the um, the mother of our solar system. So this gives you um, something about the, the significance of Taurus. It's, you know, it's a, quite a vast sign and why the ancients regarded it so much and the feminine dispensation, the, the religions that were feminine in, in orientation, including the ancient Egyptian, of course. And you get Isis and Osiris. All of these myths got to do with this part of the sky. So now you have an idea, this esoteric statement, the clover of the, the divine fort. The idea of the divine fort is Ares. It gives the original idea, but it's just simple. The, the skeleton, so to so speak, uh, the scaffolding of the building, the, the the metal structure, and then Taurus comes and... Around that skeleton, around the the metal structure, comes the entire building and all of the ornaments and everything that makes life habitable and pleasurable is Taurus. So Taurus is always fond of material comforts, fond of the pleasures of life. And later on, it relates to the development of wisdom, the third eye, to understand the meaning of all that, trappings, ...that the Taurian is surrounded by. And the hierarchical <laughs> statement for Taurus is the all-seeing eye. And we've already gone into this uh, somewhat. When you actually get into occult cosmology, what you'll see... Uh, I can't explain it to you properly at this stage, but the, all the Brun... This particular part of of the night sky, when you're talking about Orion... Uh, he's a male, you know. It's, it's a full human being, and many of the other constellations are not human. They animals, and some of them are metal. They, 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 they're mineral. So, you get, you know, for instance, Capricorn, the goat. What it really means is that Capricorn is at a more advanced level of humanity than Orion. Orion is a younger um, level of humanity to go through the next stage of cosmic evolution. Once they'll go through the mineral and animal plant stage, and I, this is quite technical for you, for you to understand, but what Aldebaran does is that at this level of evolution of Orion, he looks through Aldebaran to see the the cosmos of the next stage of cosmic humanity. And they can look through that eye, in order to see what is happening in all of those uh, young stars. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but that gives you an idea of this particular level of vision of Taurus, the all-seeing eye. And of course we know it as the third eye, uh, which comes at a certain stage of our awakening. The the rulers of Venus, Vulcan and Vulcan. When you look... At the uh, the background of this nice homestead and the the nice geometric forms that that comes in Taurus, because of course uh, we we got this concept of God geometrizes at this stage, and you know the homestead as I said, but it's in terms of geometry, in terms of that which the mind creates for its own pleasure, but in the back we have the volcanoes volcanism and it brings in the first ray and it implies that though this comfort zone of materialism of samsara uh, at any time those volcanoes can erupt and put an end to it all sometimes for instance a child must be born and it's for women, it's not that pleasant experience. And, of course, it's a inherent sort of temper quality of the taurian. They, they can often be riled into temper trantums and so forth because they have this inherent volcanic eruption within them. You know, they can explode at any time. It's aspect of the desire principle, uncontrolled desire, uncontrolled waters, frustrated ambition. Okay. The volcanoes could also be seen. It's another fertile thing as well, because you know when you get the um, volcanic soil and that, it's one of the richest most. Yes, earthy. yes, yes, so and so you get kind of spurting out. That's right. So yeah, around there is, is a lot of green around those volcanoes because they produce that. Um, but at the same time, it's you, you have to understand the symbolism of volcanism. And it's, what it really has got to do with is the energies that are found at the center of the earth. The fiery, intense energy that creates the, the suns and produces the, the furnace of suns, the furnace at the center of the earth, the heat-sustaining energy that keeps us all alive with our central heat. The energy of kundalini is veiled there. And as you know, when the kundalini awakens, that's when the third eye uh, when the kundalini arises, that's when the third eye awakens. So that's implied in this particular sign. And therefore, we get Venus exoterically as the ruler of... And Venus is the goddess of the mind. See, it rules the mind of, of the intellect. And from the mind comes the the beautiful things. It's It's ordered beauty. And all of these squares and things that you see in the environment and the, and the geometrical shape of the building has all got to do with the use of the mind, the use of the Venetian mind. It's ordered beauty. Of course, the mind can be used to produce ugly things such as what's happening in the pollution of our present civilization. But ideally, it's ordered beauty. And then, esoterically and hierarchically, we've got Vulcan, the bringer of death, the instigator of the first ray, that that which produces changes in that ordered beauty. It can also produce war. And Taurus is one of the main arms, one of the arms of the fixed cross. I normally think of Taurus as the eastern arm of the fixed cross, with Scorpio, the western arm, and Aquarius, the northern arm, and Leo, the southern arm. That gives you these main aspects of this particular sign. Now, uh, a question? Yeah. It's a tiny question. Is the number four for volcanoes as an importance? Yes, of course. Four instead of three. Yes, uh, yes of course. Everything's of importance. It's uh, the same as the cow walks on four legs as a quadruped. And the four has got to do with the form, the everything to do with samsara. And so we've got the quaternary of the lower mind, the astral plane, the ifric and the physical. That which walks on four legs. So yes, everything is has got its, its significance here. As I said, even back in um, 1978 when I did this, I, I knew a few esoteric, a little bit, a little bit on symbolism. So, so they are erupting, so it is like a liberating fire, we could say? Yeah, it's still it's still the dawn. And so it's it's really it's really the second sign of the zodiac. So so it's it's simply the next stage on from, from initial beginnings. And when you get at the beginning of, of for instance our earth, then you have quite quite a fiery um birthing. And you know, birthing is painful. Uh, for the mud, I don't know. You know. So it's that fiery birthing of, of the, the beginning of the dawn, of the beginning of the day. So it's still the early evolutionary period, uh, what, what you might call early morning. And and so you can see in Aries you've got the night sky still, and, and night sky is being pushed by by light. In Taurus you've got light, but it's not yet the full light of day. It, well, you know, it's, it's early morning. And in a matter of fact, you've got in this particular sign the symbolism of the divine hermaphrodite. So it's male female, this particular stage. It's not um, quite feminine, it's not quite masculine. There's the, the male female. Um, and this is um, symbolized by the river that bisects the sphere of the picture, the image you're looking at. It's actually a the sphere of activity, which is the womb. And so what you're looking inside, when you're looking to the womb, you're looking at samsara. And again, you have above that, and forming the symbol of Taurus, the, the all-seeing eye, the symbol of the all-seeing eye, and the river moves into... There's two so there's two pictures here so one is the picture associated with the cosmic dense physical plane and the other, which is literally um, conveyed by the horns of the bull, which is this um, circle, what's in, contained in the circle above, and that circle is s- sustained by the lower circle, which is really just a symbol or the glyph of, of Taurus. So what I've shown you here is the elaboration of what the glyph of Taurus really is. So you have these two, two spheres. So the top sphere is the cosmic astral. Plane and the bottom sphere is the cosmic dense physical. And the cosmic dense physical have these four volcanoes which symbolize also the four ethers, which are the conveyors of the four pranas. And then underneath them is the samsara, you know, the dense physical, the mental plane, neatly delineated by the Venusian mind. You can see that, therefore, the river, the physical plane river of samsara, uh, which is also the central spinal column, and, and bisects the, the image of the circle and to, to show the, the hermaphroditic principle. Uh, the male-female, in this particular case, it's a, a vertical, so it's the masculine energy coming down, though it should have more logically been vertical rather than... I mean, um, horizontal rather than vertical, but however, it's still the same principle. So then it moves into um, the cosmic landscape, right? So it's basically still the same stream of prana. And the stream of prana is the stream of samskaras, the stream of consciousness. And so Taurus wields that stream of consciousness, which is the basis for the development of wisdom. And also when you look at the card and you can see that the fields are not uniformly green. There's other colours that come into it. Stages. Yes, um, so you've got the various forms of greens, the yellows, the browns and so forth because this is what the mind does. It um, it sees many, many colours and so forth. So all of the, the symbolism of um, of that which allows... Human beings to be sustained by Mother Nature is Taurus. So, think Mother Nature. You can think of you can think of Virgo, but Virgo is more specifically the Devic principle, whereas Taurus is the human principle in application, the human feminine, whereas or the consciousness stream. Whereas Virgo is the Devic the yeah, and stream of intelligence if you want it, the intelligent principle. In this comparison, also with the the Taurian, it's much more like as it said, the clothing, the divine idea. It's 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 almost it's more material. As the Virgo DV is almost like the creation of of, of the mental thought or the etheric form. Yes, not yes, um, not as physical in its creative. Yes, the um, planetary rule, the exoteric planetary rule of Virgo, of course, is Mercury, Mercury. And so it's it's illumination. It's the intuitive principle. Whereas for Taurus, it's Venus, which is the feminine, the principle of mind. mind yeah. So you can see the difference. And of course, at the very center of the circle is the all-seeing eye of God. And so it's the, the eye of the creative logos, or the, the feminine logos, peering through into form space, feeding form space with the divine pranas that eventually become the river of time. And so the whole symbolism of the river is um, implied here from types of the river of... So you understand each one of you are really just rivers. Have you ever thought of yourself as a river? What do I mean by that? We're a consciousness stream. A consciousness stream, that's right. So you're not really your form, are you? What you are is a moving bundle of samskaras. And the samskaras are moving from grosser samskaras, and you're refining them all the time. So when you're looking at yourself from a higher perspective, from an enlightened perspective, you're really just seeing the stream of samskaras that are changing all the time, until eventually you get this refined essence of what you are, which moves into the all-seeing eye of God. That's what is absorbed. Is that a good way of looking at yourselves, looking at your not-self? Yes, um, a stream of of enlightenment. And if that if it's for that reason also that the whole um, concept of entering the body, such sort of a path in Buddhism, which is what makes the enlightenment, is called the stream enterer. I think it's Sotapanna, the, the stream enterer. So you're entering the stream of the stream of liberation, and so. It's um, seen over time. So eventually you get absorbed into the all-seeing eye of God and you can see the colours there, indigo blue, and then the lighter blue uh, as we get into the buddhic space of, of the cosmic astral. And technically this pink colour and the white colour, the white colour or the silver white around the, the eye of God is the, the seventh subplane of the cosmic astral of which our seven sub rays are emanations so it's the silver white and then the pinker colour is the sixth sub plane of the cosmic astral and then you can count the um, the um, bands of colour around that um, to make the I think the full seven and then you just get the aura of the eye of God that reverberates onwards into space in every direction and what I've got um, supporting the throne of God. So you've got the triad or the triangle sitting above a rectangle. It's, uh, this rectangle is, is a throne. It's also technically, if you ever go to the Great Pyramid of Giza, there was found inside the king's chamber. If you go into the king's chamber, there you'll find one sarcophagus. And in ancient days, that particular sarcophagus was used for initiation. After all the, the rites and the mantras, the, the the purification and all the rest of it, the candidate was laid in that sarcophagus and went out of their body for four days or so, came back with lots of wonderful experiences. Is that what the black box represents, the sarcophagus? It also represents that. It also represents the the, 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 the way of initiation um, to enter into the eye of God. And it's of course supported by, on the backs of two bulls, one looking to the left and one looking to the right. So the central stream is, in this particular case, then becomes the Shishumna Nadi and the two bulls, Adi Ida and the Pingala. And so they symbolise symbolize that, again, with regards to the Wisdom principle, so technically, you have three balls here. one is the symbol of the glyph of the the major uh, the major sphere, and the smaller sphere coming out of it, which is the the you know the the glyph for, for Taurus, and then you've got the two heads of the bulls, each of them representing the same sort of concept in those two directions they're facing so that's that on the whole. It gives you quite a bit to think on with regards to tourism. Of course, when you look in the field, there you have quite a few sheep grazing. Um, in this case, I've got three. That relates to the the triad. And his houses in the distance, but from the the chimney of the house is grey smoke and all of you should know what that means, what that symbolises. The pollution mm-hmm. of samsaric activity. Yeah, the pollution mm-hmm. of people's minds mm-hmm. and so forth, which is what they create. That, that, on the whole, gives you plenty to think of, and you can see with regards to this particular um, sign, as I said, it's the second stage of the evolutionary process, so when you look at, uh, behind where the volcanoes are, there you have the yellow of the full light of day. It becomes brighter, and the full brightness of the day has not yet reached, not yet come. Um, or incidentally, the stream is the blue-green of the astral plane, just to, to give you an idea. So it's astral plane versus astral plane. The image is an astral plane image. What Taurus rules specifically is the astral plane? Systemic as well as cosmic, and this is again often related to the feminine principle and the you know, the fickle emotions, etc. This all seeing eye has been appropriated by the so called Illuminati. You, you know, whatever is done by white hierarchy yeah, will have and its black get, version, and then no, and then, that, and then the people will confuse the two the yes. black version for the white. That's right. For I instance, the white, the white, for instance, you get the you get the wonderful symbols of the swastika, yes, beautiful symbol, yes, yes, yes. and of course then yeah. you get the uh, Nazi sort of party adopting it, mm-hmm. yes, and the pentagram mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, so it's all all taken so, over by the dark side, and by ignorant okay. ignorant humanity, by ignorant junior disciples, they twist and distort it because they don't understand what enough it's about.